as you guys could extend your hands towards our pastor. Father, we come into agreement, Lord, that you are here. That, Lord, we didn't usher in your presence, but that you made us aware of your presence, God, because you are here, Lord. You are faithful, God. We are grateful for who you are, Lord, for the mercy that you show us, God, for the grace that you give us, Lord, and, God, for accomplishing your will in our lives, Lord. We surrender now, God. We give you our hearts, Lord, but not as we give them that they're ours because they're yours. We just ask, Lord, that you would accomplish your will in our hearts tonight, Lord. That as we lower, God, that you would be higher. Be lifted up, God, and we pray over our pastor tonight, Lord, that you would increase in him, God. That there be no evidence of the flesh here, Father, but there would be only your spirit speaking truth through him, Father God. We're grateful for the calling on his life, Lord. God, that you have appointed him in this time, God, to share this message, Father God. Not a message to encourage us, but a message of truth that does encourage us. A message of truth that changes things, that breaks yoke, that brings freedom. So, Lord, your word says wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we proclaim that the spirit of the living God is here. So, Lord, have your way tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Man. Just sing this with me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Mean it. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. We need that. We need that. We sometimes approach God entitled when we should approach him undeserving. We need God. Need him desperately. No matter how right you might be, no matter how in tune you might be, no matter if you got your shoes on right, you need God. And I'm gonna read something to you because we're gonna get into the book of Haggai. I want you to go to the book of Haggai and it's uh, chapter one and chapter two. I want you to get ready for that. It's in between um, Zephaniah and Zechariah, I believe. Yep, right in between Zephaniah and Zechariah is one or two pages of Haggai. Wasn't that time of prayer just awesome? When that song came on and it was, I just want to be where you are, I just kept remembering a conversation I had with Sister Ronnie 
where she, we were talking at her house and uh, my wife and I and the family went over to our, our uh, associate pastor's house and we began to fellowship. And she brought it up and I was observing um, her words. And one thing about being called to pastor or to be called to shepherd is that you're always listening to the sheep. You're listening for the fruit of your labor. And that's Christ. Christ is the fruit of my labor. I am a slave to Christ. I am called to do what he asked me to do. And what I'm looking for in you is Christ. Is it the language of the spirit? Is things pointing to God to give him the glory? What is going on in your life? And so I'm listening to our sister. She doesn't know that I'm listening, but trust me, I'm always listening. It's my job to inspect that fruit. And make sure that it is not perverted, it is not pointing somewhere else, but that God is getting the glory in your life. That's the purpose of my job. Why? So I can point out where you're wrong? No, I take it to prayer. Because I trust that when I pray, the Lord hears. I don't need to come to you and tell you anything. Because the Spirit of God who communes between the two of us will send the message. Amen. And I'm listening to her. And she says, you know, even when I hear that song, I just want to be where you are. There was a time when I was searching for God. Is someone searching for God tonight? There was a time that that's all I wanted to do was find where he was and I wanted to be there. But I could say today that I'm there. It's no longer I just want to be where you are. It's I am where you are. What an awesome and see, you got to understand, she didn't know I was listening like that. I said, whoa, what is that? You know, because Christians don't talk like that anymore. They don't. They were like, wasn't that concert awesome? Wasn't that prayer awesome? Wasn't that service awesome? It's not, isn't Jesus awesome? I'm being real with y'all tonight. Isn't Christ Awesome. And so I know why we don't say that is because we don't have the truth declared. We have something else being declared. We don't have Christ the center. We have ourselves at the center. And listen, this isn't just in our day. This has been going on since the time of Jesus. Man's heart is to make them the main objective, even in the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be where God belongs. You know what happens when you step where God belongs? There was another ark that was built. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. And you know what happened when the man tried to catch it? Even with good intentions, what did he do? He died because God is holy. Amen. I want to read something before we get into Haggai. And it's in the book of John. You don't have to go there. But it's John chapter 6, starting in verse 60, and I want to give you some context because I'm going to give you a word tonight that's going to take faith to receive it. And the faith that I'm talking about isn't you just saying, you know what, Brother Tony, I believe it. I'm talking about a faith that only exists in Christ. Do you know that there's people who try to have faith outside of Christ? But can you have faith apart from the Lord? Is it possible to believe apart from God? That's like trying to breathe apart from air. It doesn't work. 
We need God in order to put faith in. So without a God who is faith, capital F, we have no faith. We're lost to our own wicked ways. And I'm going to give you a word tonight. It's a very prophetic word. If you are here tonight, God knew you would sit where you're sitting. I'm not just saying that. God knew how to get you here tonight by the timing of his, by his divine timing in order for you to hear the message I have for you. But before I do that, I want to read to you this Jesus that we all claim we love. Do you love him? Will you live for him? And will you die for him? He said in, in this chapter, he talks to the the Pharisees and the disciples, he's talking to everybody, and he gives a very hard teaching. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Regina, let's be honest, that's tough. If the Messiah told you that in the flesh and blood, what would you think? You think he meant a metaphor? Well, they didn't. They thought it was hard. How are we going to? This guy is mad. He's crazy. Eat his flesh, drink his blood. Look what it says in verse 60. It says, Jesus was aware, watch this, that his disciples, say disciples. Now, you know, he's not talking to the Pharisees here. He was aware that his disciples, just like I'm aware that the word I'm going to give you tonight is going to cause you to complain. It's going to force you to look at yourself. And God knows our hearts. We complain. We don't want to live for God. Our flesh hates God. Do you know that? Well, last week, what did we say? That your flesh, in, the, in Romans, is hostile against God. It doesn't want to please the Lord, and it never has. It never wanted to, and it never will, right? Watch this. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus is realizing as he's talking, he sees, wait a minute, they're unsettled. They're complaining. Watch this. Jesus says, does this offend you? When's the last time you've had the Lord ask you that question? I'm sorry, if you've been walking with God for five years, ten years, and you don't occasionally have God offend you, there's something wrong with your relationship. You should be offended by the living God from time to time because that's called correction. And the Bible says you correct a fool and they'll hate you all the more. You correct a wise man and they love you all the more. Correction is going to offend you. Amen. He says, does this offend you? And what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone. Say the spirit alone. Not your good works. Not your attendance. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And that makes us mad because we just walked in on our own two feet. But you know, that accomplished nothing. Watch this. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I think that's amazing. But my question to you tonight is, are you going to be able to trust 
that the word God gave me is spirit and life? Or is it just a man talking here? Are you measuring what God is doing in this place by your own standards or by the drawing of the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God right now. I don't know about you, but I'm fully aware that there is something going on where God is trying to transmit to his people truth. And there is also something going on inside of us that say, ah, sensory overload. Or how about not enough sensation? This is, a, this is the downer. This, this sounds negative. Does this offend you? Watch this. But some of you do not believe me. Jesus knew everything. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Amen. That's right. Have you been given to the Lord? I know I have. I know I have. And that's not a comparison to others. If anything, that's, I'm like saying glory to God. Thank you for calling me. Because I'm not, I'm not worthy of this. And listen to the next part. At this point. Say at this point. Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Oh, we love to hear about the ones that have been called. We love to hear about the ones that followed, the stories of you're going to have a prosperous future, but we don't like to hear about the reality that people turn from God. They turn in many different ways, but what is the thing that causes them to turn. Why would somebody stand in the face of Jesus but miss God completely? Why? You may not like my answer because my answer is the Lord's answer. And you may not like the Lord's answer, but he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. So at the, at the end of the day, I can't convince you to follow Christ. I can't convince you to take down the idols that are in your home. I can't convince you to change the atmosphere within your car, the radio stations you turn on, the television stations you watch. I can't convince you to, to remove things out of your life because either you have been given to Christ or you haven't. And we don't like that, my brothers and sisters. We don't like that. We like to choose. We like to stand up to God and say, I have free will. You can't tell me what to do. You don't create robots. Anybody ever hear that before? Regardless of if all that's true, his will is greater than ours. So even though he might create you to move left and right, forward and back, at the end of the day, Jesus gets the final word, not you. So do you belong to him? Do you belong to him? Look, that should be an easy answer if you do. That should be an easy, yes, I have been filled with the spirit. Yes, the veil has been lifted. Yes, I don't want my way anymore. Yes, I'm willing to give my life. Yes, I have lost everything for the cause of Christ. Yes, everything that Jesus says, I believe. I don't question my father even if I don't understand it. Matter of fact, when I don't understand things, I go to him even more. I don't run from God because I don't understand. 
Somebody say amen. But many will desert him, won't they? And I got to remind you, if you're the center of every party, if you ain't got people persecuting you, then maybe Jesus isn't loud enough in your life. Because he said they would. Now, it doesn't mean we go about trying to make enemies. It's a realization there's already an enemy. That you've been called into something far greater than you. And God is doing something miraculous in this time. In Haggai chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and, and, or actually starting in verse 2, and you can go and read the entire 1 and 2 when you have time, but I'm going to give you what the Lord showed me. As I was at Tommy and Ronnie's house last night, we were watching some worship sets. And every single worship set was the same. The ceilings were painted black. There was lights on the stage. The stage was elevated. They had three or four different cameras moving at one time. They, were, they would dim the lights all the way down and set a mood. Every single one of them. Now, here's the crazy thing. The songs were amazing. The songs were awesome. But there was something very alarming at the same time. And this is what it is. Are we so busy picking something up that we, that we cannot be told to lay it down. And many of us would never touch these things because why? We like them. Let's be real. I love going into the presence of God. I love dimming the lights. I love turning on the worship music. And I love just seeking God. That's, that's something I like doing. But can I be told to turn the lights on? In our natural response, we think better of ourselves than we really are. We go, yeah, I would. But really? Then let's, let's ask another question. Have you? That's an even better question. What got you to this point where you're hearing this message? Is there something clicking inside of your heart right now that's going, no, there's something to what, what he's saying? Because you know what? Ever since man was created and fell, we have not sought the voice of God. We have sought a different voice. And if you're being honest with your life right now, you just want to be healthy. You just want to get to retirement. You just want to make it however far, right? And that's it. Just, I just want to live a peaceful life, and I just want to get through this life unscathed, and I want to believe in Jesus at the same time, but I want no problems. <laughs> Who's been walking with God for at least 10 years? At least 10 years. Come on, raise your hand. If, I, if it's been at least 10 years, let me see. Sister Esther, you better raise your hand. You know you've been, if you've been walking with God for at least 10 years, raise your hand. Smooth sailing? 20 years? Smooth sailing? At some point, did it change? Like the warfare changed? So those of you that have been walking with God for a year or two years, Learn from the ones that have been walking for a long time. Learn from the Lord. Know your heart. Your heart is not for God. God's heart is for God. Ooh. But David was a man after God's own heart. Well, who put that heart in him? It definitely wasn't David because he cheated on. It don't even get, let me go down. It definitely wasn't David. But it is Philippians 2.13, God who worketh in us. 
to give us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It is God at work in us. Amen. You have to hear this because in Haggai chapter 1 verse 2, this is what it says. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Colon. Stop there. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. This is what the Lord says. Now, let me ask you a question. If God sent a prophet, would you be able to recognize a prophet when you've seen one? If God sent a word, are you able to know the difference between when God says something and when somebody says something? A man. Do you know the tone? Do you know the language? Do you know the purpose? Do you know the will? Where it's pointing? Because that's the only way you can know if it's God or not. After we were done watching those worship sets, and I was hearing the Lord speak to me so clearly during this, and I was separating the people from the method, the people from the message. And I was saying, where's Christ? This is all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a feeling. I'm looking for the Lord. Where's Christ? What is the Lord saying? And he started speaking to me this word. He started giving me more word to this, what I'm going to give you tonight. Can you hear God? Here's three things that I wrote down that I thought would be good to ask. The first is, are you awake? Because don't you know that the scriptures say that people are sleepwalking? That they're literally walking dead? They have no spiritual life in them. They're walking around talking like you, working like you, dressing like you, and they have no life. So are you awake? Has God woke you up? All of a sudden you can't sleep. Because the spirit starts speaking to you at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. You're waking up at 6 o'clock going, I don't even know what the heck's going on. I'm normally sleeping until 10. Is God interrupting your day? Are you having moments with the Lord where you know there's no way this could happen unless God had intervened? Because anybody who comes in contact with Jesus comes in contact with miracle working power. And when that miracle comes, are you awake? Do you give God the glory or do you take it for yourself? Do you go around saying how you prayed and, it, and then God answered? Or are you just talking about how gracious God is that he put a prayer in you to pray? Are you able to separate yourself from the working power of God? Are you awake? Number two, are you listening? You know, we could be selective readers and selective hearers. Hey, trust me, man, when I got my heart and mind set on In-N-Out, I don't care what other burger joint you offer me, I'm going to In-N-Out. And you know what I end up doing? I end up finding somebody who wants to go to In-N-Out with me. So I can go and say, hey, you hungry, where do you want to go? They're like, Red Robin, nope. Hey, you hungry, where do you want to go? All kinds of suggestions, but when my mind is set on what I want, I find people to yoke up with to get what I want. That's what we do because I'm a selective listener. But if I could be so blind, I don't know that if I go to that in and out that day, man, I feel the presence of God. And I pray that you're, the Holy Spirit in you will give you discernment to what I'm saying right now. But I could be so blind and so set to my way because the last 10 times I went to in and out it worked. I got fed. 
But little do I know that it set me up for this time to get food poisoning. But I'm so bent on getting what I want to go to the place I want to be that I'm blinded by all the signs of somebody saying, no, maybe you should just come over here today. This is how it happens with the Lord. I've prayed, it worked. I prayed, it worked. I had somebody tell me, I believe in oil. I said, what do you mean? Yeah, I put oil on people and they get healed. And I go, let me ask you a question. Have you ever put oil on somebody and they didn't get healed? What do you think his answer was? Yeah. I said, well, then you got to not believe in it just as much as you believe in it. Because the truth is it was God that healed that person. And it was your act of obedience in that that led that to come to be. Just like if you say, I'm not using oil this time, which we see that all throughout the scripture, people coming back to life just by the word of the Lord. So I have to believe in God, not in methods. I heard something snap right now. I got to believe in the message of Jesus, not in the method of man. And we got to be in a place where we can look out and say, no, that's from God. And not be afraid to be people pleaser, to not be a people pleaser. Paul said, who am I now that I, I'm, I'm a people pleaser now? If I were, then I wouldn't be a slave to Christ. Where are you? Are you listening to the Lord? Are you obeying? And here's the thing. If you're in the flesh right now, you're going, you're computing. You're using human reach. You're like, well, how do I listen and how do I obey? It, it is listening and obeying. Being awake, listening, obeying. All three of these things come from a place. You don't do something to get there. You receive something to have it. Matter of fact, you receive someone. Christ wakes you up. Christ causes you to listen. Christ causes you to obey. You can't do it apart from Christ. Amen. So are you listening? Haggai chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Let's read that together. Then the Lord sent this message. We're about to get into this, brothers and sisters. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Say, through me. God wants to send this message through you. He wants to send the message of Christ through you. And anytime you handle Christ, you are a prophet. The spirit of prophecy in the book of Revelation says, is anybody who preaches Christ. Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. And I could break that down for you another time, but trust me, that name, Jesus Christ, it fulfills, he fulfills everything. But watch this. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happened to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. May the spirit of the Lord move upon your heart and give you understanding of what this word is for today. Is God man? He's a spirit. 
God is spirit. So when he talks about things regarding the earth, is the emphasis what's fading away? Or is the emphasis what's eternal? So he's speaking something eternal here, even though it may include physical things. The emphasis is eternal. The houses, just do me a favor, keep your spot there and go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You came here tonight, I don't know what you, came, what you were hoping for, but you're getting exactly what God has for you. I said, I don't know what you came hoping for, but you're getting exactly what God has for you. you we have to position our hearts to say, speak to me, Lord. It ain't about me and my agenda. What are you wanting to say? And the true, the true question here is, are you ready to receive what he has to say to you? Because you're, I'm sorry, a part of something bigger than yourself. You're a part of the will of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. So what is he saying in Haggai when he says, then the Lord says, why are you living in luxurious houses? while mine lies in ruins. He's saying, why are you getting all dressed up? But your spirit's not alive. Why you go to church and call yourself a Christian, but you ain't following me in the secret place? See, don't nobody want to talk like that because when when they're really alone, they're really doing things they shouldn't. But you know not everybody's doing that, brothers and sisters. Not everybody is doing foul things in secret places. Let me give you insight right now. You are foul without the Lord. So the only thing left to do in the secret place is get clean. It's like you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's all upside with the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's not a single person in here that got saved by grace and then was kept by something else. No, the same grace that saves you keeps you. You need the Lord. But not everybody is going home and watching porn late at night. Not everybody's sneaking out at two in the morning to have a drink. Not everybody's doing the acts of the flesh. If that were the case, God would have already came back. But he is now saying, why is your house so amazing on the outside? Who else did he say this to? I remember him talking to the Pharisees when he embodied into the flesh. He came in as Jesus Christ and said, you Pharisees look good on the outside, but inside the cup is filthy. So he's saying it to the church again. You put all your money, all your effort, all your time, all your energy to create an experience. Let me talk to the worship leaders of today. You get your hair done just right. You're dressing in a relevant way to appeal to a worldly system. And you think that somehow it pleases God. It's just clothes, honey. Your hair is just protein. There ain't nothing fancy about it. 
But we don't want to hear that. Wait, man, but I spent two hours on my hair. Don't you talk. That's anointed hair. You touch it, people get healed. That hair, it's like the shadow, you know. But you know very well what you're doing when you're alone with God. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message like a trumpet blast saying, come out from among them. Because there is so much compromise, it's crazy. And you go and you put thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars and man hours to build these big stadiums. But when you're intimate with God, you can't even admit you're truly a sinner. When you're before men, you present God like you're him. You are just a man. You are just a person. These are, this is just wood and stone. It does not have life in it, only by the Spirit of God. So I will not be quiet when God gives me a word like this. I don't care to be popular, and I'm not just saying that to be popular. Because you know how some people be saying stuff to cloud chase. I really mean this, and you should too. This is not saying you're going to be perfect, but the truth is you dress up on the outside, but you're filthy on the inside. And here's the problem. As you stand up and you lead people in emotional experiences and they walk away unchanged. So even the people talking to those that attend these concerts, how many do you got to go to? Come on, somebody, help me. Because in the next part of this chapter, it says this. You have planted much, but harvest little. What, what, what they're saying there is you've gone and done a lot of physical work, but your spirit has little results. You spend more time in public affairs than private affairs with the Lord. You want your prayers to be seen on Facebook, your worship to be seen before multitudes. You want it recorded and you want the views to go with it. You want viral videos instead of a viral spirit of God. You want viral videos. You know how I know this? Because you put time into it. I come from the industry. I know how much time it goes in to make one song and shoot one video. It sucks. It's so much work. And why do you do it? You plant, but you get no results. You got a million views on your video, and you have no attention from God. He's just not looking at you. He's not taking pleasure in the thing you're taking pleasure in. And maybe I'm not talking to everybody. Maybe there's somebody out there truly honoring the Lord. I'm not going as far as to say everybody is like that, but I will go and say this, there are people doing it. And this is why I have to say it, because the Spirit of God came upon me, and he said these words to me. Watch this. You eat, but you are not satisfied. And you drink, but you're still thirsty. Wait a minute. What, what is he saying? What is he saying? You go and you drive three hours up to the mountain for a woman's retreat, and it ain't enough. 
You go week after week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and you go to church, you go to all the programs, and it's still not enough. You sit down at home and you say, I got to do something. Let me tell you why. Because it's not Christ that's satisfying you. It's not Christ. There's a big difference for, me, for someone to go up to a mountain satisfied already. Than going up to get satisfied. Look at, I'm not talking about the one-off person. The person who does go up and gets filled and changes their life. I'm talking about the believer who has been doing it year after year after year after year and you're not satisfied. Why? Christ satisfies me. He should satisfy. Let me go to John. Go to John right now. John chapter 4. <laughs> Is God a liar? Is he a man that he could lie? That means he tells the truth. Amen? Watch this. Hey, people who are in the flesh are going, yeah, but you're just a man. <laughs> Keep justifying it to yourself. Keep trying to make yourself feel better. You're right, I am just a man. But God is just God. Amen? John 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 14. No, no. Is that it? I hope it's it. Lord. <laughs> yes. Where is that? Why am I reading some? Oh, that's chapter 3. <laughs> I'm like, Moses, snake, that's not the one. But those. Say, but those. Who drink? Say it. The water. Come on, somebody. Is he just talking about one experience? Is he just talking about one moment? Or is he talking about something that's been around? Look it. But those who drink the water, I give. Say, I give. Now, is he a liar? He tells the truth. He's Jesus, the truth. They drink the water I give. We'll never. Hallelujah. We'll never. Are you listening to me? Never is never. It doesn't change. We'll never be thirsty again. You eat, but you are not satisfied. You drink but you are still thirsty. The person who is in the flesh will say, no, you get, you get dry, brother. You, you know what? You're a young pastor. That's what it is. You don't understand yet. They, they, they justify through reason. No, but, but I'm not talking to you. God is. So why are you talking to me? God said you'll never thirst again. Why are you thirsty? Why are you thirsty? And if you are a believer who has tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you find yourself thirsty, you know why you're thirsty. Because you're drinking something else other than Jesus. I promise you, I promise you, you get with somebody who is not thirsty and you won't be thirsty. You will not be thirsty because what does it do? What does fellowship do? Huh? It keeps you satisfied. 
And then look, this is how crazy the flesh is, right? You would come into a message like this. You would hear me say that. And I would say, that's what fellowship does. It satisfies. And because you're in the flesh, you go reason. Yep, that's what we're doing when we go up to the mountain. That's why I go. And look how quick the flesh is. How many of y'all are guilty of that? You come up with a lie on the spot. Why are you thirsty? What is the Lord saying? He's saying, stop going to the conventions to find what I can bring you in a hole. Stop going everywhere else trying to get what I can give you now. Stop planning to get to me tomorrow because you may not make it up the mountain. You may make all your plans to go see Toby Mac, but you may never get to see Toby Mac. And he's saying, why are you trying to worship me through idols? Toby Mac is just a man. And he himself will tell you that. You'll defend somebody's, you'll defend the music you like. Somebody you don't even know. Somebody you don't even know, you'll defend it because you like whatever they're giving you. But you won't defend Christ? No, 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 not to the world, to yourself. You won't sit there to yourself and say, man, I am worshiping man. And I need to stop it. <laughs> Instead, you want to listen to somebody like me who probably looks really crazy to you right now. There's a part of your flesh that this guy's nuts. But he's telling the truth. Because it's not about me. It's about the Lord. Watch this. He says, you put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. You know what that is? You know what, you know what clothes are when we put on clothes? Do you know that Jesus said that he clothes us? He clothes us with love and righteousness, and right? Like the clothes we should be wearing are who? Christ. Well, if it ain't Christ that we're wearing, what is it? Let me give you a two-letter word, or two-letter word. Let me give you two words that everybody hates, and they all, everyone thinks that that's not them. But without Christ, it's exactly who we are. It's called people-pleasing. You would rather wear the acceptance of man, and it doesn't keep you warm, does it? How many times have you found yourself in a situation where people just take from you and take from you? And take from you. And you're there. Wait, you're serving at the info booth, aren't you? You're serving at the potluck or the barbecue. You're going to the small group. But then you find yourself at home going, but nobody calls me. I, I'm, I'm connected, but I'm so disconnected. Somebody say amen, because I know I'm telling the truth. I know I'm telling the truth. I have met enough people to know. They are in a church of thousands and are disconnected from who? From the Lord. From the Lord. And because they're so enabled with people pleasing, they think their answer is people. Think about that. I know why I'm not connected. I don't have people in my life. If you had the spirit of God in you, you would not talk like that. The Spirit of God does not talk like that. And as a matter of fact, I talk like that when I don't have the Spirit. I get in a place, I'm like, man, don't nobody like me. 
And you know where I go with it? To Jesus. And then he gives me truth. And he cancels out the lie. Because this isn't even about me being liked by people. Somebody help me. Because God loves me. And he loves you. But he wants the truth in you. And so you clothe yourself with people pleasing. And it doesn't keep you warm. Clothe yourself with Christ and you'll never go cold. You'll never lack. Even when you're alone. You are not alone. He goes on to say the wages, they disappear. You, you put them in your pockets like you got holes in your pocket. They just go, you know why? Because it's talking about your temporary reward. This is the person who really does look for attention and they go, look Facebook at our amazing prayer group. You should come and visit us. And there's your reward. And a week goes by. And are you looking at that again, that same picture, and going, that was an amazing blessing I got? Or does it just slip away, and you're on to the next one, and you're saying, look, guys, now we got this going on. It's because you're not storing your riches in heaven. I don't know, Lord. It's because you're not storing your riches in heaven. You're not doing what Colossians 3 says. That says fix your eyes on the realities of heaven where your real life is. Do not look at the things of the earth, but look to where your life is, your real life. Not this fake life. Your real life is hidden in Christ. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 7 through 11, look what it says. Are you getting something from this? Please don't let me preach in vain. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Say, this is what the Lord says. That way you don't listen to Tony's voice. Look what is happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when... You brought your harvest home. I, say I, blew it away. You don't like when God takes from you. But it's because he has something better. Truly better. Not like you had $20, now you have $100. Oh no, it's far greater than that. You had something that was fading, and now you have something that's everlasting. Watch this. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all of your other crops, a drought to starve you, a drought to starve you and your livestock, meaning all your resources, and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. There's a drought coming, and everything you've worked so hard to obtain is going to dry up. It goes on to talk about this work that you've worked so hard for being stripped from your hands. You know, if I could be, if I could be completely honest with you, that's going to happen to all of us. You know, when the end comes, Jesus said, woe to the woman with child. We don't like that message, do we? See, but it's the truth. You can't even hold on to your children. 
because there's going to come a day where all your planning, all your coming and going, all your hard work will dry up. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't leave us there? The worst thing that could happen is that God doesn't send a word like the one I'm giving you right now. The worst thing that could happen is that God would allow you to be given this watered-down, sugar-filled prosperity message that says you should pray for your health, you should pray for your wealth. No, you should pray for God's will. Because even if you get healed today, you will die. And even if you have money today, it will not go with you. So it is far better to stop being short-sighted and to get an eternal perspective. You cannot get anything spiritually by physical work. You remember the story in the book of Acts where the man who had a lot of money saw what the Spirit of God was doing and he was like, what do I got to give you? How much do I got to pay? And what, he, what did Peter say? You can't buy this. Do you know what you're asking for? But man, do we try to work for God? We are all guilty. If we paint this room, we walk in this room, we, such good paint job. And you would say to me, well, there's nothing wrong with admiring the paint job. Uh, is something wrong with it if you take pride in that? Yeah, there's absolutely something wrong with it because it's just paint. <laughs> okay, let me just, let me get away from the paint. Your body, you work so hard to get six-pack abs. You work so hard to do whatever you're doing with your business. You work so hard to succeed at this life that is fading away. This is not my message. It's the truth. And you look at it and you go, man, this is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Why look away? The Lord gave you life. And the Lord will take it back again. Not he might. He will take it back again. And so in Haggai chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, you don't have to read all the way through, but there is one word that I want to bring out of here. And it says this. Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people. Do you know what remnant means? Do you know what remnant means? Do you know what remnant means? I mean, we hear these words and we just don't know what we're saying amen to. But the definition of remnant is, I wrote it here, a small remaining quantity of something. A small remaining quantity. That means there was once a lot. And then after sifting through a lot, you end up with a little. And it says here, the remnant of God's people began to what? Obey the message of the Lord, their God. 
when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, when you heard the words of Pastor Tony, which are truly the words of Christ himself. Some of us are having a hard time with just me saying that language, but that's how it should be. It's either Christ through the, the person speaking or it's not. They heard the words of the prophet whom the Lord their God had sent. Who heard? The remnant. They heard. The people feared the Lord. Is there a rumbling happening? Is there some shifting happening? Like, you know what? Probably shouldn't watch that again. Probably shouldn't listen to that again. Probably shouldn't entertain. I need to get with God. Because I've been getting with everything else. They feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message for the, from the Lord. Watch this. I am with you, says the Lord. After saying all of that, they get a message from God, and he says what? I got this message two days ago. The Lord woke me up. It's about four in the morning or so. He said, go to the book of Haggai. I was supposed to preach something else this Saturday. He said, go to the book of Haggai because this is the word that I have for the church. This is it. And not just pathway. This is, there's only one church, my brothers and sisters. Huh? You think you came here and saw that nice logo? That's a nice logo, right? Nice. I'll burn that logo. That logo don't mean nothing. Christ is the name that's lifted up. And there's only one church. There is only one spirit. There is only one God. There is only one truth. One. So this is the message God has for the church. The remnant. I am with you. And what have we been saying from the very beginning when God called us to pathway? Emmanuel. God with us. This has been the word. He took me to this and watch this now. The remnant. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel. The enthusiasm of Joshua. And the enthusiasm of the whole remnant, the remaining piece, the small remaining, the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work. Look at that. Because work, whew, the work of God comes, spiritual things provoke work. Work doesn't earn spiritual things. So everything we do in this life, me standing up here in this tent, this vessel, because you know this isn't really who I am. You know this isn't really who I am. This is just flesh and blood. This is not who I really am. But I can be up here working, toiling to preach the word of God to you from a place from results, not for them. I'm working from the results of Christ, not for the results of people. And so, yes, we work on the house. Say the house. We ain't talking about this place. We ain't even talking about this flesh. We're talking about the house of God. It's the spirit of God in you. 
Yes. Amen. The Lord of heaven's armies. This is what he said. And I'm going to just paraphrase chapter 2 because I want to close. He said this. Danica, there's going to come a day very soon where I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to shake everything that can be shook. And you know what he says to the people? He says, and everything, all the silver, all the gold, all the resources, everything all these other nations around you have stored up is going to flood right here into this place. So I'm going to say it. What's the treasures of God? That's you. You are the treasure of God. And there are remnants all over the city, sitting in churches all over the place. And God wants to funnel them back, not to pathway. Because if you, get, if you in the flesh, you're thinking I'm talking about building this, please. The kingdom of God. He's looking for the remnant of his people. And he's going to shake it again. And you would say... Because in that scripture, he's talking about sh literally shaking the heavens and the earth. And he's talking about doing a true movement of things. But this time, it's different. Because what he's going to shake is the conscience of people. How do you think I can stand here in confidence and preach to you the way that I am? Because I've been shook. And God shook off of me the works of religion. God shook off of me the works of intelligence, the works of human reasoning, like, oh, but God understands. God's using it. This has never been a question on what God's doing. It's what are you doing? This has never been a question of where is God in the matter? Where are you in the matter? Because he's going to shake the conscience of people. All of a sudden, people are going to look, and they're going to go, what am I doing? Why am I here? How many of these have I come to and I still am bound with addiction? No, the leaders will pull up those that got free in order to keep those who are not free coming back to that system. But let me give you truth. God has never missed. He's a hundred for a hundred, a thousand for a thousand. He never misses. And so he doesn't need us to create anything to get people to a place. He's going to do that. But what he's doing is he's shaking up the conscience of man. He's saying, wake up. Stop trying to live for what's fading away. If you have love for the world and the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Oh, man. But I want both. God doesn't, he ain't going to get mad if I got a nice car. Where did you read that? Why is your processor thinking that way? Is that the spirit of God? Does the spirit of God talk like that? God ain't going to care if you go and you take a vacation. That process of thinking is going to lead you far away from the Lord. It's a process, my brothers and sisters. It's it's a voice. It's, a, it's something guiding you. No, it would say, God, you can tell me not to go on vacation just as much as you can allow me to go. I can say glory to God in all things, whether I have much or I have 
little. I am content in Christ. Where's our contentment? In Christ. Now I'm going to close with this. You would say to me, this is really bold. You are bold talking like this. You would. There's a part of somebody in a, you know, online or here. You know, you're really bold. You know, I, I don't know. It sounds judgmental. Paul kneeled down, placed his head on a block, and it was chopped off. That happened. Now, it's easy for us to sit here and say, look what happened to Paul, but where's your head right now? I'm judgmental. I'm talking to the person in the flesh. I'm judgmental. Where's your head at? It's one thing to talk about someone else giving their life for the Lord. It's another thing when it's yours. Paul kneeled down, laid his head down willingly, did not resist them, did not fight them because he knew that his life was not his own. Don't you know that the Spirit of God led Paul to Rome to be killed? This gospel that you say, that I say, we love so much, people died for it, bled for it, gave their lives for it, really, and are doing it right now. Not so you can have $50,000 stadiums. I'm being real. Now, am I, now, will God tell you to build one? Yes. He's told me a lot of things. But that ain't why I serve him. Because just as quickly as he says build it, he could tell you to tear it down. And that's the problem we're having. Are we so busy picking something up that we can't hear him say, now, lay it down? Are we so into what we think God is saying because it looks enticing that we can't hear him say, give it up? Abraham, put Isaac on the altar. Lift the knife and sacrifice him to me. Sarah's going to think I'm mad. The people are going to think I'm crazy. I told you, sacrifice him. But this is my promise. You said that I would have my promise. You think he did all that? He said, okay, because I have so much faith that you can raise him back. That you don't just give, you take away, and you can give again. And I'm not doing this to test you, God. I'm doing this to obey you. I'm standing before you today, a man crucified. And no, I'm not physically crucified. And I couldn't tell you with confidence how I would endure that. I do know that God can keep me. But I am crucified. I have been crucified with. Somebody help me, man. Act like you've heard the Bible once or twice. I know I'm not preaching to new converts. I know there are people in here that know the scripture. I have been crucified with. It is no longer I. But it is in me the hope of glory. 
This is why I can preach this way. And this is why I don't care who you are. I don't care what pastor is listening. I don't care if they're a mega pastor, whatever it is. I don't care. We all answer to the same Lord. I don't care. I still have to stand before God with this message. I I can't fall in love with Hillsong. I'm sorry. I can't fall in love with Jesus culture. I can't fall in love with Bethel. I can't fall in love with elevation worship. They're not Jesus. This is why if I stay in love with Jesus, I can separate the people from the method. I can walk into a bluegrass church up in the hills somewhere with 10 people and feel the presence of God if he is there. And I don't need to say, oh, this just ain't my style of worship. But is Jesus your style of worship? Because he goes beyond what's fading. He's saying, keep the lights on. To the one that has a problem with turning the lights on, turn them on. And to the one who has a problem with shutting them off, shut them off. Do the thing that makes you have to believe God is there. Because Paul laid his head on the chopping block. Where is yours? I just know, even under the unctioning of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be people who are listening to this message for however long it's going. You're going to hear this message, and then tomorrow you're going to get cancer. You're going to hear this message, and tomorrow you're going to get in a car wreck. You're going to hear this message, and tomorrow you're going to lose your job. You're going to hear this message, and tomorrow something bad is going to happen to you. And the one in the flesh would say, don't you speak cursings over me. Did you not just hear the Lord say he blew it all away? I mean, do you call that cursing or blessing? Because I see that as a blessing. I see that as a good God watching over me where I can't watch over myself. And you know, you're going to hear this message. You're going to go and something's going to happen to you. Trial is going to come. Hardship is going to hit your doorstep. And if you ain't got the blood of Jesus over it, death will take you. Because he overcame death. But when you got Jesus on you, you can still get struck with cancer and live. Your hope don't fade because your body's fading. Your hope don't dwindle because you're getting old with age. You don't become poor because you don't got money. You are rich in Christ. Rich. And you're gonna get you're gonna get off this feed, you're gonna get off this message, and something's gonna happen to you. And you're gonna say to God whatever you're gonna say to God. You're gonna question God. But you know what I see in that? I see, I see so much grace in that because whatever's gonna hit you is gonna cause you to turn away from where you were going and put your faith in the one it should be in. Sometimes we are praying away the only thing that keeps us coming back to God. And you would say to me, where's the scripture in that? Paul prayed. He said, I prayed three times for the Lord to remove this thorn in my flesh. He said, this thorn was sent to buffet me. It was a messenger sent from who? Satan to buffet me. But the Lord said, 
My grace is sufficient. You're praying for God to take the thorn. He's trying to give you grace. And you just can't get it without the thorn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One of the most beautiful words I ever heard was from my mother on her deathbed. I love him. And he loves me. And I trust him with my life. In the midst of pain, grace caused her to turn to God. What I say tonight is true. It don't get more true than this. God is saying, less is more. Just worship me. I don't want you to work for me. I want you to worship me. I will work for you. I will work for you. I will work for you. Father, I thank you for this message. It's grace, life, and truth. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that the flesh does not win tonight. That your spirit would win out in my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray for everyone listening that they would literally have a circumcision of the heart. That there would be a tearing away of this life. And that they would truly put on the eternal life of Christ. Father, we need you. More today than ever. And we pray for your salvation power to be with us. And we thank you. <laughs> if you feel that in your heart this message has convicted you to the point of repentance, not that you just are coming to the Lord for the first time, but know that you really have felt the conviction of God and you said, you know what, I'm worshiping things that are not the Lord. I'm trying to find God. I'm saying I'm trying to find God, but really I'm just looking for a fix. I'm just looking for something to, to tickle my sensation. And you know what, I need the living God to touch my soul. If that's you, with no one looking around, I don't normally do this. This is probably the first time I've done it like this since we started the church, but I feel very strongly that if that no one looking around, if that's you, if you're the person who's literally like, man, I've been serving God, and I, don't, I haven't really been serving God. I, I thought I was, but now I realize I need him more. If that's you, just let me see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Right now, I just pray, and pray with me, saints, for those, and you can put your hand down, for those that raise their hands, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would no longer live for yourselves, that God would come and inhabit you right now. He would fill you with this Holy Spirit, and that you would no longer lean on your own understanding, that you, the Scriptures would become true to you, that you would not lean on your own understanding, but just as you acknowledge the Lord with the raising of your hand, that that would then bring about him directing your path. Father, let your Holy Spirit convict where there needs to be conviction. And I thank you for repentive hearts tonight that said, change me, because I know you will do it. And for those that were afraid to step out and let go of what they love so much, would you help them, Lord? the same way you've helped all of us who surrender. Would you help them move on their hearts so they would no longer live for themselves?
In Jesus' name, amen.